Do I need to turn down a little bit? I don't think so. I think I think can I have have can I have Roman and Django take turns counting up from one to ten? One, two, religion three. and politics. No, no, no. Oh, no? <laughs> one, religion and politics. No, fuck, I hate you. <laughs> Often makes some people lose all perspective. Uh, I don't know the next line. Three. Two. Five. <laughs> good too. Okay, okay. So just a simple task of trying to see if everyone's audio levels seem okay, just from a production standpoint, is not a doable thing for us. Uh, Jeff will fix it in post. Yeah. Unless no, no, all the let, levels are off. No, let's try it now. Okay, okay, okay. one. Two. Oh, three. Four. Five. Six. Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, episode 214, coming at Dallas you live from County, Dallas, Dallas County. County. Goodness gracious, I love it. Everyone, <laughs> favorite Dallas Cowboy player on three. One, two, three. Michael Gallup. Debbie. Michael Jordan. Okay, all right. A lot of good. Django did the porn <laughs> reference. Roman said a basketball player. That was all very, very good. Um, we had a false start. This is our real start. It's a comic book podcast. We love it. It's been a hectic couple of weeks. We really appreciate everyone being so patient, sticking with us, just loving the books like we do. Uh, we had a skip week. Actually, this is a collection of comic books that we don't even really know what time range they're from. I think some of these are years old at this point. Some of them might be from a week that hasn't happened yet. That might be as true as well. I really don't. We'll get there, but let's introduce what's happening to you first. Every Tuesday, we, as comic store runners, go and pick up a bunch of comics for our comic shop. And then we bring all those books home and read as many as we can. And then we bring them back to this podcast arena that we've created to engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the comics that we read, the comic shop that we run, or the comings and goings of our lives. It's a buddy fest. Buddy, 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 buddy. I'm Jeff. Buddy I'm Big Frida. He's Buddy Frida. And I'm Buddy. I'm Buddy, buddy. Buddy the Elf. I'm Buddy Hart. Buddy. Oh, deep cut, Roman. Before we get into everything, I just wanted to say that the last two episodes of the podcast, I've sort of titled them references to the large number of gooey ducks that have been showing up and Roman increasing gooey duck frequency. I posed at the end of the podcast, I believe, like, have we been doing more? Maybe it was the write up of it. I was like, have we been getting more tens out there? What's been going on? I just got this email from Andrew Carlson. He says, hey, Jeff and the gang. I was thinking about how many gooeys Roman has been dumping on y'all lately. Remember that episode where we all had the realization that he grades books on a bell curve every week? That's definitely not true. I swear. <laughs> I fought hard against it. Felt like I was proved wrong by myself. And now I feel again that I was right. In my perusals of past episodes, I will also add, Roman has always been the most consistent scorer in terms of excitement. If something really gets him Randy or Romy, <laughs> He will go up to at least an eight. In the earlier episodes, in general, you guys are much more pessimistic about the books you're reading. Scores <laughs> average, in my opinion, I haven't ran the numbers, at around 6.5 to 7. Where nowadays, I feel scores average more around 7.5 to an eight. 
I was curious if this is natural result of either y'all being more excited about books every week, re-falling in love with comics again, a sudden uptick of fun comics, or what? Maybe I'll get an answer from my scores eventually. But for now, what do you guys think? Does Roman grade on a bell curve? Which I think we know he doesn't. Meaning only one gooey a week? Not so. Did Roman's <laughs> scores gradually go up because of his pure comic enthusiasm? Or is it a byproduct of the product bettering itself over the last, last few years? What do you think of this in general? Have you guys... Hope you guys had an incredible week and you're truly wonderful individuals from Fox. <laughs> I mean, it's so subjective. I feel like my mood and the quality of the comics are the two things that sort of make make the difference for me. I don't know. I mean, I I don't I don't expect any consistency from myself. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I mean, my guess actually is over this last COVID year. You know, I've spent so much time at home being furloughed for my other job a couple of times that I've just been able to do a whole lot more reading um, and not just comics, just all sorts. I mean, I read Akira all the way through for the first time ever. Um, and I'm just happier. The more reading I can do, the more happy I am. And so that maybe that's part of influencing my scores, too. I'm just so happy to be reading all this cool stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what it is. I just think we've, I think now we're all just in, more in love with the gooey duck itself than the scores, right? Like if I can pry a gooey duck <laughs> from the deep sandy surface that is Roman's dusty exterior, I'm going to try all my, with all my might to pull that gooey duck from that shell. And that's this why this could week, be a seven. We're going to be talking about Radiant Black, number one. Oh, did you, gooey. Did you feel yep. that? Straight Roman, gooey. put that gooey back <laughs> in your gooey duck bin gosh i struggled with that one we're gonna <laughs> gooey in his gooey bucket in his gooey bucket batman catwoman number three rorschach number five haha number two and hollow heart number one well, a couple other things might crop up here's the thing for everyone to know we took a week off dc books came in then the snowstorm happened everything was delayed comics showed up eventually i think then we went to Comics Pro and we couldn't sort comic. I just want to be honest with everyone. I don't know when any of these comics have come out. It's possible <laughs> that maybe Batman Catwoman is a next week book. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, Django's. I we know. haven't talked about these yet. We haven't it's, talked about these books new, yet. New to me. New to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all they're all pretty much new. Well, Batman Catwoman. It, it was on the red shelf downstairs with new books. So whatever that means. <laughs> What does it mean anymore in a store that's not open to the public? <laughs> I think it's last week's book. Okay. Okay. I think that's true. I think this is all fair game. I think this is either all this week or last week's stuff. Listen, stop yeah. me if we've talked about any of these yet. We haven't as buddies talked okay. about them. I was talking to our listeners, but you, oh. you can stop me too. Oh, it's a comic podcast and we have a lot of fun. We're happy to be here. Jeff Figley on the horn, Jangleborn, Roman Statler. are going to talk about Radiant Black, but before we get into that... We were just the reason the other reason that things are behind is that comics didn't show up. And then um, and then we went out of town, but stayed home while doing it to attend <laughs> Comics Pro, which if you're a listener of the podcast, it's our fourth year that Django and I have attended this event. It's a wonderful mm -hmm. blasteroni of a time. And it would probably have been in Carolina or somewhere on the east side of the country this year. However, COVID. So we did it through Zoom, which was a miraculous feat of technology, if I have to be honest, but Roman attended the whole thing with us. That, that was one of the really cool things this year. Comics Pro was everywhere across the United States and England. 
because we had at least one guy there from in New Zealand, London. Oh, there was Scotland. a New Zealander. Yeah. Wow, cool. It was truly inter- even. It was truly international all all at once. Wow. Some kind of weird like boom tube type zoom tube. It was zoom definitely tube. it's definitely New God's technology for yeah. sure. Uh, but Roman, did you have a good time? I did have a good time. It was it was such an interesting way of doing uh, a conference, which hopefully won't have to do another conference like that. <laughs> but but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was awkward. It was you learned things, met people, but yet you didn't meet them. <laughs> I would. I, I hope that it's in Portland next year because I would really like for you to be able to experience it in a in a real world capacity. And I I, I was very gratified in the first day to just see you slip right on in there like the wet fish that you are uh thanks herring statler <laughs> is that a whale fart no that's a fish fart oh man i'm avoiding really... my air bladder thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> this is a callback to a conversation no one knows that we had so that's up guys, to you buddy you edit this thing yeah you're they right could know. or they more could more know. to the point the further we, on we go the less i edit it it's it's a comics podcast he tries to say. <laughs> Honest. <laughs> really, we talk about comics in an educated and an informed way. Radiant Black, it's a comic podcast. <laughs> Kyle Higgins um, and Marcello Costa. Because of the crazy week, like this week's comics, which most all people have gotten in many parts of the world, we got today. So we read some new books today. It's not going to be a super long episode because we don't have a ton of things to be able to read and talk about. I was pretty excited to talk about Radiant Black, though, which is the first issue of Image's new shared superhero line. This was a last week book. I I, I don't want to interrupt your flow here, but yeah. I dropped that in a booth with Image at Comics Pro this week. And they're like, well, we haven't said that. There have been some news articles about it, but that's not official or anything. Well, shit. Okay. I read some news articles that said that. And yeah. And uh, then I looked like a chump. So well played, Figley. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If I had a dollar for every time that I looked like an asshole in front of other people because of you. (laughs) Oh, we could retire together. We could retire together and swim around like the Joker in his cool $100 bill suit that we'll get to in a minute. Okay. I mean, there there, there was a Savage Dragon on the TV, though. So there's some amount of sharing I, I thought it was shared from the feeling of like they're going to introduce a, some new superheroes and those people would sort of live in their own kind of corner together yeah image image to be fair image got really kind of cagey and they're like well we we haven't said anything official but i know kyle has a lot of friends some, something okay. along those lines so. okay well i i thought based on that pitch i don't know how excited i am and i started reading this and by like page three I was I was pretty into it. I don't know if it was a post comics pro glow, which does always sort of happen to me. But I, I actually really liked this issue and was pretty down to read more of it. I just liked the character, and I liked it. It kind of fell into a firepower place for me, which is like lighthearted, inconsequential superhero. Like even the superheroes, superheroics vis-a-vis marvel and dc have a lot of baggage right now i feel Mm -hmm. like and it's nice to just not be upset with 
you know, a writer being pulled off of a thing or a new artist put on or editorial making a change. This felt kind of just like, it, it reminded me of Invincible is really what it reminded yeah, me of. Me too. I, I got strong Invincible vibes from it. And um, with with kind of a, a buddy dynamic that made me think a little bit of like some Chip Zdarsky pals hanging out too. Mm-hmm. 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 Roman, did you read Radiant Black? I did not. Oh God, you little <laughs> walnut of a man. <laughs> you you precious shell of a man. There's my idea for a, a new segment we can add to this. The book Roman didn't read this week. Okay. I'm not playing that. It would, we would have to list like 50 comics before we got to it. We got lucky this week. Strategically, <laughs> I wouldn't have made this our first book of the week had I known. <laughs> um, but you know what? It's about it's a, it's a show, show about comics. It's the comic yeah, show. Yeah. And sometimes you read it, sometimes you haven't read yeah. it. And that's going to be a theme this week. Sometimes you've read it and sometimes you haven't. The art was also better than I kind of thought it would be. Like it it has a sort of Ryan Otley from Invincible look. Um mm-hmm. which softer. is just to say, yeah, soft and palatable and super heroic-y. But yeah, the friend dynamic is is pretty fun. I just also liked the the honesty about this dude's failure. Like he's a, it's the story is this guy is coming back, moving back in with his parents. Cause he went off to New York to become a famous writer and he couldn't do it. And he, uh, he missed the opportunity or he got lazy and just didn't do it. And he's $38,000 in debt and he's moving back in with his parents and he and his buddy go out drinking one night on his first night back. And he finds a black hole hovering on a train track and he touches it and it gives him this cool suit and it gives him some weird powers. And I just, all of the, all of the people bouncing off one another was a delight to read. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it also made me think like, we've read a lot of superhero origin stories in our lives. Yeah. And how is it that this one stands out more than half of them do, you know? Yeah. I guess I was sort of like, okay, so there's just a black hole floating on the train track. Does that, am I just, all right, whatever. I'll just take it. Like, it was just weird how like I've read enough origin stories at this point that it's like, okay, whatever. Uh, I'll just take it. Just take it. And it's it's Kyle Higgins who, you know, Scott he's done... Snyder people. Yeah, he, he did some Nightwing. He did, uh, for Image, he did Cowl. But, but but like nothing that I have super glommed onto. You know, Batman Beyond, he's, he's always kind of in the fringes of, of characters that I get excited about. Yeah, I, I think he wrote like Talon and Nightwing in the New 52. And he was kind of... He, I think, yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, Scott Snyder kind of brought him into the fold. Okay. And he, most noticeably, I, I thought it was that he wrote Power Rangers for a long time. And that's kind of where, I think he dipped out of DC because he's been doing the Boom Power Rangers book for the last several years. Okay. And he's nice. not doing that anymore as far as I know. <clears throat> well, this isn't going to make me read Power Rangers, but uh, the costume looks a little bit like Power Rangers. And, and Spider-Man. Uh, I liked it a lot. Yeah, Django, I just, I don't really quite know what it is about this book. And I'm just sort of fascinated by how mobile my mouth is being while I talk. Heart. It has heart. It has heart and a really long write-up at the end, which is probably why Roman didn't read this. He was like, I I don't have energy for like a three-page text write-up. I can't read a comic if I don't read the write-up. Yeah, yeah. I can't take write-ups anymore. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes, which is more than I can say about a lot of issue number ones from non-Marvel DC superhero publishers. Like it, it's, I'm not always super into just like a new superhero from a rando publisher, you know, I guess, cause we just, 
feels like Marvel DC has that on lock. So I'm always, anyway, I, I was surprised by my fondness for this book. I think what it is, is just the, the characters, you know, like the interplay between the down and out writer who's in too deep and his friend who lives in his hometown and is, I don't even think his friend is kind of an asshole. I think his friend is just an asshole, but I really liked him. Yeah. You know, I wanted to watch him hang out with somebody else. I don't really want to hang out with that guy, but I wanted to watch him hang out with somebody. Imagine how we all feel then, Roman and I, and all these people that spend time with you. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I don't I get it. Anything. It doesn't look like anything to me. <laughs> Is that cake? Is someone eating cake? <laughs> yeah, it's really pretty. I'm excited to read more of it. And uh, yeah, I think if you are at all hungry for a superhero book that has lots of swearing and kind of irreverence and jokey stuff in it i think this is for you if you like invincible if you like firepower or other things written by robert kirkman um mm -hmm. this is chip zadarsky that, that vein of things roman i'm really stunned that you didn't read it but i also kind of feel like i could hear you not liking it in my head like yeah i just didn't like these people i, I just i don't like floating trains, I, trains. <laughs> I do like floating trains and there was some of the hulk, <laughs> the hulk this week um i forget why i think you know, it's totally a goofy, dumb thing not to read it for this reason, but I think I picked it up, looked at the cover, thought, this looks too much like erratic, not going to read it. <laughs> yeah, I don't like anything stepping on my erratic zone, you know, my love yeah. AWA's erratic. Your, your yeah. E-zones. Yeah. Yep, yep. Erratic e e what do you give this book? I'm not going to lead this score. I want to see what you do, and then I'm going to make modifications. I can give it a seven and three quarters. It, it doesn't it doesn't clear that eight hurdle for me, but um, it's better than a seven and a half. I'm going to give it the eight. I'm going to yeah. give it the eight point five. I'm going to give it the eight point five. I I sat down today and read comics for the first time in like a week and a half. Like I hadn't mm -hmm. read comics because it's we didn't have them, and if we did, it was working. So many working. It's been a been a stressful. You know, I, I think uh, like like we were talking about earlier today, Jeff, some sometimes running this store is like jazz music and sometimes it's like being punched in the balls over and over. <laughs> it was more it, like the balls thing this week. It was more like the balls <laughs> thing. It wasn't honestly as stressful as it just was exhausting. Um, yeah. And but I sat down today and the I, I read Ha Ha, Radiant Black, Batman, Catwoman and Rorschach like immediately in one sitting. And every one of those I finished and I was like, yeah yes <laughs> spoilers for my scores for the rest of the week but like the, but I, comics i i thought who ha ha um i said that out loud after every issue like, -hoo -ha, ha, ha. so yeah it's a, 8. it's a comic podcast that's that's a good score listen it. it's a comic show papcast 214 it's a comic podcast it's a comic podcast didn't we say it was 214 i thought yeah. we said it was 217 no you're, you're right two, you're right 214 no, sorry i, I was Dallas County. Dallas County confused. It, hey, if everyone's curious, yes, there was an auction. No, it wasn't as good because it was through Zoom. Yes, it made more money than it usually does. However, the answer to your primary question is yes, Dirk Wood was there. And, and he was great. Drunk and he was and drunk. awesome. <laughs> and he, I didn't realize that he apparently fell asleep while doing it, but Roman told me that. <laughs> Roman, Roman can smell him. He knows a man that can fall asleep on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to talk about Batman Catwoman number three by Tom King and Clay Mann and Timo Mori. The two of you, why don't you lead this discussion and then I'll come in and talk about how I think it's phenomenal. Roman, uh, did, you, did you read this one? 
I did. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, <laughs> shit, shit, guys. I'm sorry. I for, I didn't read any comics the last two weeks. So. It's my third I, I, Dewey Duck yeah. of the week. I, I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> I love how because it love opens. Duke. It opens with uh, Helena Wayne as Batwoman. I like um, that, too. and I I really liked her costume, but though I didn't realize it was who she was for the first couple yeah. pages. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think that's part of Tom King just kind of keeping us sort of off off balance through this whole thing. But her with Commissioner um, Commissioner Dick Dick Grayson was pretty awesome. Um, and they've they've found the Joker's body in Florida, and she's kind of going off to solve the crime. Um, and all of that's kind of intercut with Selena fighting the phantasm at some point near near now i think i think that's present ish um and an ending that i didn't understand so um oh go ahead well i was gonna say my read is that it, it is taking place at two times and one is the present sort of like what i would assume is post tom king's run but it's mm-hmm. like batman and catwoman are together and that's when the phantasm is showing up I think it's made a little bit more confusing by an issue one. I think the present day is talking about a past experience with the phantasm, but this one, my read was that it was pretty grounded in just two time frames, and it's it's okay. them them dealing with and 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 it does jump in this modern day time frame though, like this, you know, like the Joker did a thing. And then Catwoman goes to talk to him about it and they get in a fight. And then she goes back to talk to Batman. He's like, hey, I see you're a little bit beat up. And she's like, you know, just being a person. And and then she goes and finds this weird Joker thing where he's secretly hiding in this safe. And I think that what we're kind of learning is that they have been partners in crime in some regard, in some way. And the Phantasm is hunting down all of the Joker's partners so now Catwoman is in the crosshairs of the Phantasm and all of that is interspersed with the future, which is after Batman is dead and Selina is old and she goes and kills the Joker and She's Helena is, Joker. yeah. Um, so it, I was sort of like, we're jumping all over again, which I like, you know, we've talked about, I, that was kind of a criticism, not criticism, but that was maybe a thing you guys weren't loving as much in like the second issue particularly. So kind of made a second sweep through it, but. I really like that. It's like being caught in a tornado of information and at some point it's all going to click and sort of fall and make sense. But I really like kind of this overwhelmed in the throes of a bunch of crossing moments of story that are all related. Yeah, and you mentioning that this is just in two timelines, that makes me feel a lot better. I don't have to remember like the different um, chrono time zones. Right. That was my interpretation of that. I'm curious if anybody else, like Rome, if you got a different read or anything. No, I'm just, I'm, look, I'm just looking back because I wasn't sure if it was two timelines or maybe three, just because of that one sequence where uh, Selena's beating the crap out of the Joker at Christmas time. That's when she gets hurt, and Bruce talks to her about that right, right before so, yeah. she falls asleep and the Phantasm shows up. Like, yeah, I hadn't, so just, I hadn't made all those connections. Yeah, so just the two two timelines which i am enjoying that more now because now that i've now that tom king has trained me on his books like strange strange adventures and this and rorschach now i know oh tom king's gonna play around with timelines in the narrative okay 
So now, so now I'm digging it more. The like page seven or eight when it's you know old Selena talking to Helena and being like, yeah, well, your dad died and it was actually simple. He just left all of it to me, and when I die, mm-hmm. all of it will go to you. I was just a cat who met a bat, and now I'm the richest woman in the world. And that page is just the two panels of them talking, and it's this amazing shot of outside the window, and there's all these parties happening in through these windows, and there's one with the lights off and blood on the window and the phantasm dimly lit in it. That I just I love that page and that <laughs> reveal and like the next panels, Batman's being like Paul Fleshman is dead, and he's like, "Who's Paul Fleshman?" And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, like that's what that I was like, what's this phantasm murder?" And then immediately after, it makes sense. Like, I do yeah. think you have to be willing to try and dance a little bit with Tom King on these things, but I I love it. I love just like the whatever has happened to have Dick Grayson as the commissioner, like in this cool mm-hmm. Helena costume. I'm like Tom King. You write as much in this timeline yeah. as you want. It is so much better than James Tenyon's Future State or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Helena's costume, for for instance, just the design on that because it's a it's combining Catwoman and Batman's costumes into a completely original look. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that page you're talking about with her and her daughter talking. Um, I love how Tom King, how uh, Selena's dialogue. She mentions how her whole life she's had to make these compromises and lived her life in compromise and you don't know what that means until the end of this issue it's like oh very very well done i would like to hear tom king read that bit out loud where she says i became a cat i met a bat and now i'm the richest woman in the world because it i I don't think that he meant for it to sound like that that line that i I texted you the other day jeff that keeps coming up uh from bob Bob dylan's idiot wind he's like i (laughs) i I people say that I ran off with this woman and and killed her husband and she inherited a million bucks and when when she died I I got it all I can't help it if I'm lucky like that's almost what she's saying here like I became a cat I met a bat now I'm the richest woman in the world I can't help it if I'm lucky and I really like yeah I'm this final scene is a very long monologue of the Joker written by Tom King I, I loved this whole issue because I think Tom King has a great voice for the Joker, especially in a world where we've been getting like the tiny Joker voice, which is such a different thing. I, yeah. I really like this, like an intelligent madman or like when she's like, what is wrong with you? And he's like, I do, you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but so in this final thing, we, we see him telling her that like, I just want you to know that I'm going to go to the ice skating rink tomorrow and light off some gas and kill a lot of people. You could go tell Batman and stop me, but if you did that, you would have to tell Batman that you're talking to me and he's going to want to know why you're talking to me. And so now you have the choice of trying to stop it yourself. Like, so I love that he's trying to sow separation between, you know, Batman and Catwoman and and Mm -hmm. kind of sabotage their relationship. And I don't think that she's like on Joker's side or anything, but I think on some level they've done some business together Mm -hmm. and something ties them together. And, um, and yeah. we think that that's real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Okay. I, I figured that's one of her comprom- one of the compromises she was telling Helena that she's always. Oh yeah. To. I, I guess I like I just wasn't sure if the Joker was actually in that safe, or if she was oh. kind of imagining it. Oh. But yeah, wearing it, wearing a, a hundred dollar suit, folded up inside a safe is fucking hilarious and yeah. weird as all shit. And I like I, to I like to think he's really in the safe. I mean, I have no idea how he got into the safe and you know but 
I like the idea that he's actually in there. Yeah, me too. And then I, I love the dialogue between Selena and Helena because I think my read is that Selena doesn't want Helena to know that she killed the Joker because when she killed him, she made some statement about like, I Bruce made me promise that I wouldn't do this. So it was after he died that she went and killed him. So she's trying to hide this from their daughter. So they're like, oh, did you find any clues in Florida? And, and the daughter's like, no, mother, unfortunately, it was clean. And they're just sitting there and it's like, Catwoman would know how to clean up a, a murder scene. And like now her daughter's investigating and trying to, I just, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, yeah. Well, I love that. Clue. Yeah. And I love that too. Cause you know, the daughter's lying to her mom too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right. I didn't realize that. Cause, she, Cause yeah, she found an earring or something. I don't know what that is. What do you guys think of the close-up of Selena putting on her lipstick? Made me think of the Joker. It made me think of the Joker as well. In fact, I was like, what? I had to like then relook at that double page scene on the left page near the bottom. There you do see that it's her reflection in the, the mirror. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, you know, I think that they're, I think we're trying, they're trying to have us not trust her. So yeah. I'm going to give it a niner, niner, niner. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a nine two, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make a small complaint that I don't know if I've it's a little too sexy. Yeah, I I feel weird saying that, but um, it there 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 are bits of it that feel a little more leery than I want. Um, it's super super hot Catwoman doing super hot stuff, but um, something about it just like there's there's just one too many butts or something we said um, the same thing about heroes in crisis and it was the same artist i just I, I yeah i don't know i think that artist does and i i do like he is writing scenes of them like having a sexual relationship together as well so you know i do think that he is trying to paint this as a trying to you know that they are two human beings that are having a relationship as well but yeah there's a lot of butts in it and the very first page of helena's costume i i didn't think she was wearing pants. Like I, it, yeah. it looks like she's standing there with just a vest on and is naked. So yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, Django. I think the art is gorgeous in that way that this guy draws men and women so hot. Like there's the double, there's a shot of Bruce topless and his, his pecs look like breasts as well. And I was like, dang, Batman, you are hot. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's men and women. Um, it's just a really sexualized style. Yeah, I, yeah. I if if you asked me two days ago if I would think that because I, I didn't it didn't uh, stand out to me for Heroes in Crisis like it did for you guys. I think, uh, or maybe it was the other way around. You said it. Did yeah, I say you, it? You even said okay. the word leery. <laughs> I'm just I'm just turning into an old old curmudgeon, I guess. No, I don't. I don't think you're wrong. Like I don't think books need to be overtly sexy. I think for some reason they have decided like to emphasize the sex of this a little bit. I think to sort of show that these two people aren't just a crime fighting relationship and not just a couple that goes out walking, but also fucks. Yeah. But yeah, again, I, maybe I'm the pervert. You wouldn't want to sell it to a 14 year old. Well, no, 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 probably you want it to stay in good condition. (laughs) Read that one a lot. But also this is like mature Catwoman. I mean, she's always like, well, I guess, well, always probably since the 40s i mean the 40s she was pretty sexy too with that slit going all the way up the side of her dress to the like her waist almost yeah she, um, had, a, she had a really revealing one piece bathing suit back then too yeah i'll give it a nine 
Nice. A bunch of nines from these guys. Nine, nine, nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. <laughs> two days, two podcasts, one day, and they both oh, had yeah. to have the repetitive Beatles number nine joke. Cool. It's our favorite cool. Beatles song. I don't even know that song. I just know that quote because of you. Oh, that's and number Sam. nine. They all make it. Is it called <laughs> number nine? Uh, is it God, revolution, is it re- revolution number nine? Maybe. Yeah, I think. Yeah. But if you play it backwards, it says Paul is dead. Oh, it's that one. Yeah, yeah. And it's also called number six, then. I think Rorschach number five by Tom King, Jorge Fornes, and Dave Stewart is the best cover of the series. So far, for sure. And I don't know if it's my favorite issue or least favorite issue of the series. Interesting. It's got the least Catwoman butts in it, I'll tell you that. I know, I kept looking for cat butts, and I (laughs) realized it was only my cats in my house that had cat butts. (laughs) Okay, this is an old comic. This came out a while ago. Two weeks ago. Uh, two, okay, okay, good. I remember liking it, and I'm looking at it, and it's not super fresh. I read um, it today, so if you want me to uh, dust off your memory, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah, y'all have to dust off, because, yeah, I, I don't have a copy in front of me, cool. and I don't remember it. Well, Infinite Frontier. So what was interesting about this one is that it, <laughs> instead of kind of exploring aspects of the, like the people, this one is really, it's, it's focused on the detective, but more than that, it's kind of focused on the agency that he's working for to explore the mystery of this killer and it's a political opponent of redford and they think that turley i think is his name he mm-hmm. they think that the rorschach and laura or i think um went to kill him and were had been hired by redford and this political person is kind of convinced that that's the case and he's trying to get the detective to investigate it from that 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 perspective but it's also the person the political person who's hiring him kind of has his first conversation with him and he invites him into his house and they have a conversation it's really interesting the detective doesn't quite bend to telling this person what he wants the guy's like well it's obviously redford right and he's like that's not what i've seen but he's been kind of instructed to not lead him any direction about Mm -hmm. that Right. And the guy, Turley, becomes pretty fond of this guy in the fact that he's not just a yes man in the way that he's giving him answers. But there's a really wonderful scene where he talks about his meeting with the comedian in Vietnam. He's like, I ran into him twice. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's, it's about the political stuff. And that is a little bit less interesting to me in this story than the stuff we've been exploring so far. That being said, I think the conversations were so well done and so interesting. Um, it's like wait. the it's like the episode of True Detective where they go and they meet with the religious people, and they have a really boring conversation that reveals a lot of information. It's like really and, important later on. Yeah, and and that's I think that any good long mystery has that scene where they give you an information dump wrapped up as a nap. Um, and I, I actually really liked this issue quite a bit. I, I think that there's a lot of super subtle character and motivational work done here. Um, and I love the guy's power move of, of arranging the meeting while he's literally taking a shit. He invites the guy into his bathroom. It's like, that's, that's how you tell somebody how important they are to you. And I've, and I've always been trying to dial it in, but I think, I think I learned something in this issue. And I love, he's like, and it's obviously red for red. He's like, well, that's not what I've seen. And the guy's like, all right, go into my office. Like that was when he was like, okay, I'll meet you. Not while I'm taking a shit. Yeah. 
but he yeah, goes man. into the guy's office and there's this giant wall hanging of the comedian smiley face button mm-hmm. and that felt that was a reveal like that i don't know like that i don't even know what it was yet but just it was a full page no text one panel and just like the implications of what that was i was just like what okay what the fuck is this like what is the comedian like i love that comedian was like the right wing just almost irredeemable asshole in watchmen and that's who this guy thinks is worth putting a a 40 foot by 40 foot icon of above his desk yeah um i i think it tells us whether we would want to vote for him or redford is it's so well for watchmen fans (laughs) It, what was like were people cool with redford in the watchman was he a good guy or a bad guy that was all kind think, of background stuff right i don't know if redford even made it into the comic yeah i don't think we ever actually see him in the comic he's just referred to a lot well that's redford what i mean is- like well i think that nixon is on the possibility of having like a fourth re-election or something yeah and, I, and like, yeah, they, they might name drop redford but it I don't I don't think that he is the president at any point. I don't think that there's a huge focus on him. Okay. Because it's, it, it's it's Nixon, 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 Nixon. In the beginning of this, there's a sort of long scene of this turly guy and someone speaking, and they're like, Well, Redford's doing this and shitty, shitty, shitty. And he's like, And I've got this person who I think is a good person who the opposite of what you know Redford was. He's the last honest man in America, but they're also like the iconography of it is that he's definitely kind of supposed to look like Trump. There's all mm-hmm. these vote Trumpers behind him. So I was just trying to mm-hmm see like okay which of these political figures is a bad guy and it's politics so they're all bad guys i don't i think that redford didn't show up in the Watchmen universe until the tv show okay i i could be wrong but i think that the tv show is when we got redford and he's he's definitely like liberal almost to a fault especially to this this trump allegory here totally I really wished that I, when I read this issue, that I had a copy of um, <clears throat> one of the earlier issues where they showed that same, I'm thinking of the shooting sequence when they're right before they go through the door. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and I wanted to compare the two, the two different pages because I was thinking, is this like a Rashomon thing where we're going to see various perspectives of the same event and see how completely different they are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This elephant feels like a snake. Yeah. <laughs> So I, two thoughts. I do think Jeffrey Dean Morgan was, I think that was a bit of brilliant casting on the part of the comedian. Confirm or deny? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I, while reading this, I was like, I do just think that was great casting. And it made me think that I would really love to read, check this out. I want to read a Garth Ennis written series about the comedian in Vietnam being just the sort of, mm hired gun of conservative republicans but in vietnam so like kind of mm-hmm. being the watchdog of conservatism in vietnam like you could probably watch his turn also and, and just yeah because and then that would be that is just being the guy who at the beginning of this was like i don't want i mean just like it's a watchman book okay i'll read it but like that if we could get a book mostly about vietnam which garth Ennis writes all the time but do it in this p- kind of parallel world where the government has hired this person to go do the shitty stuff and you know, anyway, I would just, I'd be interested in that. This made me want to read and hear about those stories of like, mm. what were you doing over there, man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What do you guys make of the last page, which is Roman for your, 
memory jogging. <clears throat> it's it's five horizontal panels stacked, and it's him having left, walking down an alley in the rain, and across the street, Laura and Rorschach walk up behind him, and they start following him, and they start laughing hysterically. It um, made me think of Hellblazer. Oh yeah, yeah, it does. It's like that Hellblazer. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, that's a very interesting little thing there. I mean, I I don't think they're literally there, of course. I it's but I'm not sure what exactly the meaning is in the issue where he was in the diner reading the journal. They were, there were, you know, specters of them sitting at the table across from him. So it's like, he's yeah. being, like the more he gets to know these people, the more they're kind of a part of his brain or something. They're haunting yeah. Him. Yeah. They're haunting him. I'm wondering if this is like maybe foreshadowing, maybe by the end of the series, he's going to come under the spell spell for want of a better word of rorschach and don the mask yeah i feel like the whole their consciousness being put in other bodies by dr manhattan that was brought up in issue like four is not what's real but i feel like a similar type of thing is going to happen which is through the investigation of this and the learning of these people that he's going to absorb those beliefs and ideas and that's kind of what happened with this old man rorschach and it's kind of Mm -hmm. why the circus guy would become Rorschach for this girl, which is sort of like our compassion or empathy for people sometimes allows us to absorb their beliefs as well. Yeah. And I think if it did go that way, I think it might fit in kind of with one of like Ditko's themes about the every man and, and trying to be, we're all, you know, we're all the same and being uh, ran over kind of by the, societal corporate whatever megalith that you know beats down all the all the regular people right right i love the the scene where they're patting down the detective as he leaves turley's place and um the the bodyguards like you want to hit me and he says no but if you want to be hit i'll see what i can do yeah it's just like <laughs> such a fucking tough guy farewell made me want to read some parker (laughs) yeah and then like there's there's a lot of stuff here where we're we're expected to keep track of who is telling the truth and who's lying but not just once like this this detective is not giving the full story or the real story to a lot of people throughout Mm -hmm. And like he like the his handler asks if Turley brought up Redford and he's like no, which is a lie, you know. Like right, I, I really like that. There's so much to track in here, but it's really a pretty straightforward. It it's almost like plodding in the way that the story is being told. The dude's walking around. He's not on a motorcycle getting to places. He's walking around and solving this mystery. If that makes sense. Yeah. I want to give it some, like, I want to give it a nine, 8.5, nine. Like, 8.5 doesn't seem good enough. Nine maybe seems too high. Is where give I'm it a at. nine and a half. You're going to give it a nine and a half? I'll give, yeah. I'll give it a nine. You little I, turly. I, I just think it's so fucking incredible. I love this book. I'll give it a nine. And you're right. And you're right. That cover, that Vietnam cover um, with the, uh, Manhattan. Yeah, that that's a beautiful like apocalypse now type nod. I love the line where the when he's talking to this kind of shitty politician, he's like, Yeah, I encountered the comedian twice in Nam. 
And he's like, I'll tell you about the first time. And he goes and tells them this long story. And, and the detective is like, okay. And then the guy's like, listen, I need to ask you a question. I need you to answer honestly, or else I don't know what this whole thing's even about. Like, and he, what does he say? Like, do you believe in me? Or no, what do you think of me? Or something like yeah. that. And the detective says, tell me about the second time you ran into him in Vietnam. And yeah. it's so good. And then the story <laughs> is that, well, it was really quick, but I was walking by and I saw him standing there with Dr. Manhattan. And I thought there's man and Superman, but which one is which? And I just love that <laughs> line as well. But you know what? I didn't, I didn't really, Django, you kind of, yeah, you, you talking made me understand that better, which is, I think what we're to grasp from that is that, the comedian was this horrible shitty person and that's who this person is looking up to. So he yeah. doesn't need to answer. What do I think of you? Like you're doing it by yourself. Like the fact yeah. that you're considering that maybe the comedian is the Superman and that Dr. Manhattan is not that, that says everything we need to know. So that's. Yeah. I, I, well, and his, his first story says it also, you know, like when he asked the comedian, how many, how many people he'd killed and, and the comedian's like not enough my son and he laughs at that like that's that's not something to idolize either yeah but <laughs> you know what i loved i didn't know that is that a quote that's from something i, don't, I would believe that it was from a garth ennis something <laughs> so the way that i read that and i don't know if it's right or wrong but he was talking to him and he's like i you know i know the definite number of how many people you killed do you want to know and the guy was like yeah i i certainly i certainly do and he says, well, then I have to tell you, soldier, it's pretty easy to see in a good in this good man's war. How many? Uh, and he says, not enough, son. And I interpreted that was that answer is only the answer if you're the type of person who needs to know how many that you've killed. Because right. if you need to know how many you've killed, you're doing it for a reason and it's never going to be enough. And I just yeah. thought that was a really profound statement. Um yeah, I just, God damn it, Tom King. <laughs> I just think that you're probably, you know, the best writer in comics right now in my book. I'm so glad this yeah. this, this book's working for you. Me too. I definitely needed to be, you know, I needed every issue sold me an amount, but I needed probably three or four issues of consistently being sold before I was just like, I'm very excited about another Watchmen book. Yeah, I just think he's the, I, I think he's the best writer in comics right now. There was a book about clowns. We read the Clown, second issue. Clown second. Hunter number one. I loved it. Oh, ha ha. Number two. Super interesting. Issue number one came out a month ago in classic uh, w, w. Maxwell Prince fashion. It was sort of like, what do we make of this? Ice Cream Man took two volumes to sort of really get the vibe of what it was. And I don't know what this is, but the second issue I liked more than the first. Roman, really? I'm curious how, how you felt about that. Do we know how many issues is this, is this going to be? I bet it'll be six. It may be five. I bet it's like one paperback's worth, but I don't think it's going to be an ongoing series in the way that Ice Cream okay. Man was. But I would have said the same thing about Ice Cream Man at issue two. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I I think I, oh boy, it's tough because I, I like the art in this one more than I did in number one. Um, but the story-wise, I think probably about the same. I like my... to say I really liked them both. Okay, cool. I, I really liked I liked the first one, you know, but it, it was ambiguous in enough ways that I liked this one because I really I did feel more like I was grasping what they were saying. However, it was very 
not to diminish it, but it was very stray bullets feeling to me. It was very like, this is the story of a young girl who decides to side with her mother when she overhears her father talking about the fact that her mother is having a mental breakdown and she's dressing up like a clown and she leaves with her mom and they escape because they're going to find this amusement park. And along the way, the mom stops to service some men as a prostitute and she dresses up as a clown to make money. And then they inadvertently murder somebody. She murders a man to protect her daughter. And then they get to the amusement park and it's been closed and the cops come and arrest her. And then the daughter has grown up to become a clown faced, you know, uh, stripper, stripper, not necessarily prostitute. So it's that sort of madness begot madness or like I, it's, it all felt sad. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's going to be one of the points of this series that, you know, despite the title, they're all going to be sad stories. Why didn't he call it? Uh, but doctor, I am Pagliacci, but that's the straight <laughs> one feeling is that like, it's, I think that, I think it's great. I think straight bullets does what it does so well, but I just can't muster the strength to read straight bullets anymore. Um, so yeah. I wonder how much I'll get that vibe from this. Sorry, Roman. Yeah, see, I wonder if I definitely see the Stray Bulls comparison, though I think this is a more, little more um, overall philosophical Yeah, about the whole thing. Because in this, uh, this woman and her daughter, they're trying to reach Funville, which the mom thinks is this going to be this great place where they'll have a good life and everything. Um, and Funville is the same amusement park that Bartleby worked in in the first issue, right? That he got fired oh. from totally oh. possible i didn't think this related or touched it at all but that would be very ice cream man if it was yeah and i'm not sure about that but i assumed it was um yeah and maybe that would close down and they had to fire people in it or something right right because that first one yeah he let them go because yeah they were having money troubles and yeah yeah um so yeah i assumed it was the same it is uh, it, it, i just pulled out it, a number one yeah he works at fun bill nice nice connection oh. roman that's great okay Thanks. Yeah. And there's something I can't help thinking that because of Bartleby in the first issue and in this issue, there's a scene where the little girl, the daughter is um, <clears throat> sitting on a hotel room bed and she's reading a comic. I finally decided um, and she's reading out loud and, and it's a quote from, I think from the first issue about feature eyes upon Bartleby and his infinite handkerchief. And wasn't or, there a scene in the first issue? I when... bet I bet it's an advertisement for Funville. I bet that's an advertisement that her mom has. Oh. And so this says feature eyes oh. upon Bartleby and his infinite handkerchief. So right. she's reading that out loud and Bartleby was the guy. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Because her mom mentions how she has a pamphlet about the place. So this is, this is doing... This is from issue one. The boss is saying, listen, B, you're a good clown. Real good. That little act you do with... Uh, What's it called? And he says, endless handkerchief. Nice. Yeah. So I, oh, I, okay. so, I yeah, love, there's, oh, oh, sorry. I was gonna say, I love that this is doing that ice cream man thing of weaving this interconnected reality that I bet by the end of this will sort of be a perfect reflection of itself in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I think there's going to be some kind of, again, because of that Bartleby reference and Melville's Bartleby the Scrivener. I feel like maybe Prince is going to be his whole series is going to be a comment on maybe questioning the uh, 
I don't know, the false optimism. If Well, is there false optimism of America in the 21st century? Yeah, like the mom in this, when she sees fireworks in the sky as beautiful angels that she actually cries when she sees them because of that, that optimism. And that's the connection I was trying to make to Melville because a lot of his stories were about um, questioning the geez, 19th century American optimism and how real or false that could be. Sounds to me like she could get along pretty good with Rust. Uh, true detective, I bet. Um, so I do think that the art is like a big step up. I actually haven't seen this artist or Thoroughgood. Maybe we have seen him before, but it's 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 pretty miraculous art. It's it's gorgeous and yeah, it's just devastating. It's just like it's just it's people trying their best in a damaged, hard situation and um damaged people even when they're trying best you know can't their damage still affects other people and yeah yeah just heartbreaking in a wonderful way it, it is and the art is beautiful and the little girl's expressions are so good i'm gonna give it an 8.5 i think it's really good you're scared of gooey ducks now no you i'm not it's just coward it just hurts it hurts like it's it could reading this issue could really bum me out for like 45 minutes yeah and you know feeling having a thing make you feel is like that means it's very good at what it does but straight bullets is really good at what it does but i've chosen that i just i don't really want to engage with that because it really just bums me out for a longer time than i'm able to bounce back from um straight bullets limit two limit two <laughs> do not year. take more than two with food I, I think you're going to really dig this issue, Jenga. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. And I really yeah. love what you just cracked open with the whole thing, Roman. I think that I'm even more excited. I, I'm going to finish it. I'm more excited to see it all kind of connect with each other. I'll go to 9.5. Nice. Roman, you're nice. such a beautiful beast. It's a 9.5 on the Richter scale. So uh, do we have anything else before we go into Hollow Heart? You guys read something. Do you have anything that you want to touch on? I'd like to say that the Immortal Hulk flatline written and illustrated by Declan Shalvey is fucking rad. Nice. Um, yeah. Body horror, cool. upside down drawing. And just uh, like there's, there's a bit at the end where you just see all the ways that, well, I, I don't want to ruin anything, but it's not for the faint of heart trigger warning. There's, there's uh, some pretty Frank suicide stuff in here, mm -hmm. uh, which is always some of my favorite Hulk sort of meditations. Like, yeah. You know, I could do just a real quick. Yeah. The surprise for me of last week, I think it is this week. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't know how many of these we ordered, but Truth and Justice one shot with Vixen, which, OK, you wouldn't think that would be interesting. It was great. Um, the uh, who's the creative great. team here? Jeffrey Thorne is the writer. I don't know who that is. And Chris Cross is the penciler. And it was just this great. DC, like it had a feel like JSA, though I'm sure it's setting up um, something to do with Justice League, but it brings back the Global Guardians who were introduced on the Super Friends cartoon show in the 70s and then made it into the comics. It's where Fire and Ice came from. Um, brings them all back huh. and says it set things up for the future. That one was a digital first. Oh, um, was it? Yeah. And, and it didn't jump out to you as formatted in a funny way or anything? No. Once, once I no. see that something's a digital first, I have a hard time getting the the panel layout 
yeah out of my brain yeah that never yeah that doesn't occur to me at all i mean there's some there's some weird stuff where uh dr mist he's a mystic character is talking to vixen and he's a head in the sky and his dialogue is all just words like on on the background does it look like i'm sorry well they they colored his words green which doesn't which is kind of hard to see against a green background so i don't know if that was a digital thing does it look like every page could possibly have a panel break halfway through it on the horizontal no i don't know that maybe, just that that's the mark that all the other digital ones do maybe they yeah. reformatted it um i guess i have one other one that i would like to call out as as being Roman, something i'm really glad enjoy. that you loved that I, there's some more of those coming in for the, the rest of that series that's that's great i don't know anything about vixen it's gonna be like oh. a six issue run right i think it's like a mini or something but yeah we oh. didn't sell a ton of them but oh, she was that? featured in justice league task force right um i really like superman worlds of war number two mm-hmm. i like the first one a lot the second one um the superman stuff is really kind of uplifting even though i didn't quite understand the last page i, I don't know how they got there um, it gives us a really good wrap up and kind of explains the disjointed nature of the Shiloh Norman, uh, Mr. Miracle story that, we, that has been running through the back of some of these books. Is it over? Yeah, it was just was this two the issues. End of that? Oh, okay. This, this is continued in the house of L, um, the, the Superman one house shot. of L, the future yeah. state one shot. Uh, yeah. and I, I'm glad cause I, I really liked it. And then it also gives us the ending of the midnighter story and they they give you a twist on the first page that i thought i thought was really interesting that they would that they would give you that twist that early um but yeah two kind of similar time travel conceits in the backup stories and it's an eight dollar comic but it's like three comics long i i I was really impressed with it it was the first issue was one of my favorite of the future state books but it was it was like a 60 page comic i think it was 62 pages it was almost three full comics worth of material yeah and and this is this is the same and big big thumbs up um i'm sure we still have enough for anybody who's curious to to get both of them but um i i would say this is one of the highlights of future state if you like the idea yeah. of Superman chest like shirtless with just a giant steel S chain to his chest. Yeah. Like total, total what what we wish that the Dark Knight's metal Superman had looked like. <laughs> yeah. But real. but also yeah. just a big softy, like every good Superman. metal drummer is. Roman, what <laughs> did you you dug that whole thing as well? I did too. The the Superman stuff in this is my favorite Superman stuff by far of any of the future state super stuff um the ending that art doesn't hurt yeah great art and yeah the ending of it it's just great superman never give up you know this is why he's one of the best superheroes and the way he inspires people there the rest of the issue i you know i like the mr miracle that was fine the other two stories i didn't care about Hmm. but the superman's the superman stories i'd give the superman stories a 10 just by choke on that mongol i thought you were gonna say mom that's crazy <laughs> mongol right. of war world uh did did oming do the art for the first issue of this midnighter story i don't think so i, I it looked totally so. different yeah, it was because that almost had like a given feel i feel like it was like kind of yeah. sketchy 
This is this is Michael Avon Oming, who other than yeah. making everybody about four and a half feet tall, I really like him. <laughs> Did you guys read Hollow Heart? Did you give that a score? Oh, or uh, oh gosh, I I didn't. Uh, I would give it a, an eight and a half. Okay, cool. Yeah, Roman Gooby did. Do you remember that? We all made those I do. sounds. I, I would give the two <laughs> issues probably a nine, nine and a half. Well, then let's close this thing down by talking about Vault's uh, Hollow Heart by Paul Allure and I want to say uh, and Paul Tucker, not Justin Tucker. That's the kicker for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm curious what you two thought about this. You both read it, right? Yeah. I wanted better art, but I really liked it. I like the I story wanted, quite a bit. I wanted better art art also. Me and, and, too. The the art kind of reminded me of like a, I don't know, kind of like a air cell or eclipse book from the mid eighties. <laughs> yeah. Almost like it was drawn at a hundred percent rather than drawn double up and, and reduced like most comics are like the, the line weight just, just looks a little bit off to me. Chunky. Yeah. I yeah, thought the colors weird. were good. Like it did its job. Uh, I, I I can't say that I was confused about what was happening at any point. Um, the the sex scene was weirdly sexy for the art not being great. Like it was very sexy. I was like yeah. I'm getting turned on by this huge muscular man going down on this <laughs> small dude. <laughs> Roman, could you give me a 20-second pitch of what this book was about? Oh god, can I um yeah, apparently there there's these guys in a prison, and I and I couldn't figure out. I don't know if these people. It looks like people have been turned into cyborgs, and maybe they're you being used for slave labor, or maybe I added that myself. But uh, there's one character named L, one of these cyborgs that keeps trying to escape. I don't think he's our hero. I don't know our our main guy, Mateo, um, is a uh, mechanic that's trying to help him out every every time after he gets damaged, trying to escape, and he's. He's starting to build a maybe a friendship with this guy and he's going to help him to actually escape, though there's a little twist there. He's not really trying to escape so much as as uh, commit suicide. Yeah, we, yeah, he realizes that there is some sort of a tether where once he leaves this sort of place he's confined to, his life systems will die. And, and he's like, he's trying to escape. And it's like, no, he knows he's going to die if he does that. Yeah. You know, to me... On the, it's very it was very surface level we don't understand a lot of the deep stuff and this is a comic show but in this comic show what i want to mention is that there was a specific line of dialogue that i thought elevated this entire thing which is the art kind of dated weird narration sequence over the whole Love front the story through but the now beginning. now it makes sense to me of just like the, the thing being trapped in a thing that was too small for it and now that's yeah. kind of what this thing is but Ultimately, there's just this wonderful scene of Mateo, who's our narrator. We don't even know him super well. Well, there's one amazing comic book sound effect on like page five. That zap, the way that zap is written and the way that um, oh yeah, is that's just a great. I think Braden would love it. It's actually page four, but anyway, the word the word zap is the panels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's one of the things that reminded me of like comics in the '80s because used to. I feel like you used to see that a lot, and then. This one just felt really well done to me. I'm not sure why. Probably the geometry of like the angles of the A and the Z and the Z and the P are mm-hmm. quite complementary angles on the basic of the L or the A, which is symmetrical. And um, it was just very pleasing to me. But when Mateo was going to talk to L and L's not really talking at all, actually. And he's like, hey, I just I want to help you. Like, you got to relax. So tell me about yourself. He's not saying anything. He's like, okay, cool. You don't want to talk. 
And the first thing that L says is, I don't like my voice, the grating tone, the synthesized timbre, the artifice. That elevated the entire issue to me. It was that single line of dialogue that made this a better book than just a low tier indie book to me. And, and it was just that it made me sympathize very because I know people who feel that way about their voice. What did yeah. you think of Mateo's solution, which was to change it for him? Like to me, if, if I was L, I would be like, well, that's still fake. And maybe it's even more fake now. Like it was artificial before, but if you're going to change it, it's just going to be new artificial. I, I loved it because L didn't, no one's ever bothered to tell him that his voice could be adjusted. Yeah. So I just love that little bit of connection there that uh, Mateo does. There's, I didn't there's a think lot about of bleakness. There's a lot of bleakness. I, I read that exactly like Django, or sorry, Roman did. But now that I hear you say that, Django, you're right. That's a really good point to, if he's complaining about the artificial reality of it being a voice by modifying it and creating an artificial, like, I think there's another layer of the thing there. So yeah, but I, I thought it was very sweet. That was very feel like I'm in your brain and you're in my brain all of a sudden. Oh, you're right. Fallings. Um, I really like the uh, the narration about the guy who had fallen down uh, a hill and his body was broken. And right before he dies, he sees a, a hiker passing by and he screams at her and mm. screams and screams and she never responds. And he dies not knowing that she didn't respond because she's deaf. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's fucked. That's sad. And if she ever finds out, that's double fucked. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I'm I'm curious how the goldfish story in the beginning and that hiker story, like how are those little upsetting vignettes gonna work into the theme of the rest of the story? Yeah, I, I liked it. It was bleak. I agree with everything you said. The art was a little bit rough. I wish it was better, but the colors were nice and there was just something I would say that kind of like a Tom King book although not Tom King par, but like, I don't know what this is yet. Like the cover's yeah. gorgeous. There's some great moments, but it ended in a totally ambiguous spot. And I don't know if I'm L is my protagonist or Mateo is my protagonist or, or really what this is about at all. This yeah, cover yeah. is going to do a lot of favors to this book. Yeah, it is. Because it's gorgeous. Ruben, yeah, what do you got? Cover. Yeah, I, I, just following up your ambiguity statement. Yeah, because we don't know if uh, we can trust Mateo or if he's just a tool of the corporation or whatever that's running this prison um because you know he lies to he tricks l when he does this little thing with the camera that convinces yeah. l the camera's off and it's not yeah and the guys watch and say oh no he know mateo knows what he's doing <laughs> but then he also tricks the the organization at some point too yeah plans to yeah. pink yeah. and black I, on covers this week it's, it's interesting. Like I read three comics in a row tonight that all had um, specific references to suicide, which was not, not a theme that I find in my comics a lot. Yeah. I was surprised by that. Cause I read hollow earth and immediately after I read that immortal Hulk one and, shot. And uh, <laughs> Mr. Miracle is from suicide slums, which I don't oh, like, yeah. I had the thought like they wouldn't call it suicide slums now. Like they wouldn't call it <laughs> no. suicide and they wouldn't call it slum. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's kind of an interesting sort of legacy name that we have in comics now. Yeah. There was some, I don't know if it was in a Mr. Miracle story or if it was in the other DC history, the DC universe that somebody referred to, I think they referred to suicide slum, but then they 
refer to it as like the modern gentrified name, but you know, all of us that live there, we call it suicide slum. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I thought this was, this was good. I mean, vault vault constantly surprises me. And if you had given me a comic that looked like this, that wasn't written like this, I would have probably not made it three pages in. Also really likable publisher that works really hard to make getting their comics to comic stores easy and not risk late, you know, laden with laden yeah. risk. It's like there, you know, every publisher says to the comic stores, you're our lifeblood. I'm like, well, if you meant that, you'd act a little bit different. Vault and you'd actually, come up with a word that everybody else didn't already Right, dude, <laughs> I know. By at the end of comic store, I was like, will you stop saying that we're the lifeblood? Because that just starts to feel really fucking fake. But, um, but exactly. But it's like, if you meant that, you'd act that way. And I think Vault continually while being a sort of new publisher is trying to make things uh, work for people. I would give it an eight. Gosh, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. And I'm mostly docking it just for the, for the art. I hate to harp on it. That artist is a person, Django. Stop being a dickhead. No, but I would, no, I would no. rather see <laughs> a different right. artist. On I'm going to give it a 7.5 as well. No, I'm going to keep it an eight because of that line <laughs> of dialogue elevated it. I did want to say that it's, it's, it's in the good huh. range, but yeah elevated it and that character is referred to as l elevated that was a joke i made everyone i'm glad that you caught it i'll give it a i'll give it a 7.5 nice um hey listen I'll stick with that everyone remembers the po- the question that Django posed most recently and we've got a couple responses to it i don't One remember from it dino Chipino. hello so we missed a podcast last week so this is from february 11th i missed dino Hey, that was my birthday. Oh, you know, yeah, I remember it was your birthday. Happy have a heart on day. Oh, fin- that's a finally, Django. Do you have something to say? Yeah, that's a fucking Valentine's joke, Jeff. I'm sorry oh. I interrupted you twice. It's like a boner. <laughs> it's like a boner Valentine's joke because this is the 11th. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Finally, a question. I can deep six with an answer. I don't get <laughs> venom. I- totally could use a fin on his head he would look like a giant killer whale web slinging or is it wonder woman slinging around marvel's manhattan your thoughts to finish the email finish finno oh i get the deep six joke now okay oh because 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 of fins they're an undersea aquatic creature team (laughs) all right okay that kirby created him andrew's got one hey oh boyos Django, I'm a finhead, offended. I'm a finhead, parentheses, <laughs> offended, that you would even dare ask such a pointed question. Superman might look good with a nice one, but I'm on the fins about it. Now, <laughs> holy shit. So we created a bit at the end of our podcast for specifically Django, Dino, and Andrew. Andrew. Now, if trademarks were abolished, oh my God, he's going back into that. I think you put another one about trademarks. Now, if trademarks were abolished, would we get an Adam Strange and Omak Yondu and Gladiator crossover called Infinity Gauntlet? Oh, I'd, I'd read that. <laughs> D23, thanks for the inspiration. That was All of beautiful. those went over my head. I don't get any of those. Over your, your fin head? <laughs> oh, God. I need a new job. <laughs> okay. I, I, I got a question for you two. Just this, okay, for us right now? Yeah. Yeah. If, 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 is it question time for, for us? Like, like 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure, this question, okay. then we're gonna do our sign off. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, I had this thought the other day. What if the entire world was experiencing Groundhog Day as Bill Murray's character? Okay. So you wake up and you relive the day, and when you when you fall asleep, you wake up again and you you live the same day. But instead of Bill Murray's situation where he's the only one who knows, so he can walk around pushing people out of the way of bird shit and stuff. Everybody knows that they've already lived this day. So what you have is no new media created, no resources running out beyond where they could possibly run out in that one day. No reason to do anything that's going to last to the next day. So you're asking is what if, the entire world lived every day on a repeating cycle of the same day where there was no repercussions because everything restarted, but everyone knew that was going to happen. And the entire world knew. Yeah. But you would have to live with your consequences the next day. How would you live right? with your consequences? Or like you would know everybody, what you did everybody day, knows right? what you did yesterday. So like if you committed a crime today, when you wake up in the morning, everybody knows you committed that crime. What were you doing when you thought about this question? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just curious, like, <laughs> when does this thought, like, I got to ask Jeff and Roman what they would do if if this were the case. I posted this on Facebook and got a lot of people. Oh, my God. We're your secondary. We're your second tier Facebook. Oh, page. Jeff, you Dang. you would you would be my I would tag you in this. You'd be my first tier. Yeah. OK, well, if I'm your second or third tier Facebook bait, I don't know. Right. It'd be like the purge every day. I, I understand. Like, yeah. The, the idea that there would be re like if people i think the interesting aspect is that people would remember the repercussions however mm-hmm. so if you died you would be brought back to life the next day but you would remember mm-hmm. how you died like yeah so like people would not want to be around you if you're the guy who keeps killing people but also there's 30 30 or 40 percent of america still voted for trump so like i can't live in a world where they don't have to face their repercussions every single day like i'll die every single day I, but but they don't but like that they would have the same repercussions that they would if, if days kept marching on, right? Yes and no, they would have the social repercussions, right? Those are the right. only repercussions that would really exist, would be the social and relationship repercussions because mm-hmm. everything yeah. else would stay the same. Yep. Yeah, yeah. you would never actually get punished for it. I, I think, I'm with Jeff, that's what I thought, that the whole world would become a, like the purge eventually because everybody would be like, well, yeah, everybody knows what I did, but so what? Maybe, <laughs> maybe like- again. For yeah. punishment, you would probably end up with um, like police, deputized police all over the place so that they could get to the the criminals early enough in the day to put them in jail and punish them. I think what we would have is realistically, re- as long as we're being realistic about this question, yeah. <laughs> realistically, I think we'd go through like a hundred years of violence that was unnecessarily like that. And then I think after about, you know, 75 to 100 years, just violence would kind of stop. Like Mm -hmm. if everybody could exercise that proclivity or something and then realize that it wasn't having any lasting effect and you were losing relationships and people didn't want to be around you, there would be the people who are broken and would keep doing it. But I think in general, people would be like, okay, well, we ran that one dry. Like I think the reason that violence and negative things are perpetrated still is because there is any power to them. But when you remove the power to it, because it's replicated every single day, the appeal is gone because there's no power to it. So it's like, I probably really should watch Teen Titans go finally. 
You know, like you'd be like, well, I could so- murder my dad for getting divorced or I could finally watch the season finale of Teen Titans go. And maybe I'll just do that because dad will be back tomorrow. But like at some point, like I think I think the first thing people would do would probably be to take the day off, because if you work in a job that tomorrow matters more than today, why the fuck would you go to work? Right. You already did that work yesterday. So if if you work at a power plant, there's no reason for you to go in there. Everybody's going to have power for the rest of the day. Right. So I think people would chew through media pretty quickly and you wouldn't be able to create new media. Right. And if there are all of your work would go away at the end of the day. Exactly. People would only create art that could be consumed within the same day. Created and consumed Consumed, within the same day. So I think you would see like from a pop culture standpoint, you'd see a resurgence in plays, but they would have to be pretty local. Right. Or, or I, I guess you could, you could broadcast it, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to create a movie. There would be no more movies made. Yeah. I think most jobs would stop. All jobs would stop. Why the fuck would you go into work if tomorrow didn't matter? I would I would sell people comics. I would give people comics. Or would you just like you would have to go to your store and unlock it so that people could get in and get their stuff, but you wouldn't need their money. Like money would But like at what point would they want to keep reading comics? You got the same week's comics each time. Yeah, like read a lot of back issues, but like they would just, yeah, I guess you'd have to revise the business model of like, hey, you yeah. come in here and hang out and read all day and then die at the end and then wake but back up. We back. all have the same resources all every day. We have the same resources that we started with. So right. like the three of us could never spend all of our resources in one day. We're not rich by any means, but we couldn't we couldn't go through all of our shit in one day. But why would situation. economy or commerce exist if there was like, we wouldn't take money because yeah. we, would, we wouldn't be spending that money elsewhere. Like we wouldn't need it. Yeah. Unless we wanted to go to the grocery store. But then do they care? No, they don't. There's, so there's probably, no stocking up. We'd probably move towards like a sort of socialized state. This is a comic podcast. We come here to talk about comics. It's like, listen, if you've enjoyed this discussion and you want to hear more of it, you can leave a review. We need those reviews. You can just sort of scroll through the bottom of your, just scroll down if you're using Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Leave a one-star review. Um, Do whatever you want to do there. But we, we, we live and die by those reviews. And we want to one day be able to start advertising. If you like this podcast... I'm on the verge of just starting to read advertisements for other podcasts that I was like, Hey, do you like, you know, threadless sheets? Bam, let's do this. Like, I think it'd be fun to do that as a joke. However, we could do that and actually be being paid by a company to do it. And that would mean that like, Holy shit. Um, Dude. Leave us a review. Tell a friend about it. That's my point is like, we, if it oof, would be nice, it would be nice is my point. We love doing this podcast, but Holy shit. Can you imagine if there was a little cheese coming at the end of it? That helps us out. That would be awesome. Do that. Um, you can write us an email at jeff at the Just anything. I'll, I'll get it. Uh, and we'll read it on here. That's how we got that wonderful message from Dino and Andrew. Everyone should be leaving us those questions and responses. There's so much. What would you do in a world where it restarted every day? And 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 dig into it a little bit. Really think about it. Um <laughs> And yeah, we're really looking forward to another week of normalcy at some point, but that might actually be this week. That might be one or two weeks down the road because we've been informed informed ahead of time that our comics are going to be late again this week. So we don't even know what they got them ready. 
And then the weather was so shitty that the the shippers couldn't pick it up. You know what's great though is that the following week I booked a house in the middle of nowhere with Sam for us to go on vacation, and it's gonna be <laughs> Thursday, Friday, and Saturday on my days off. But when oh, those are gonna late, be late, those are my work days. So um, I I hope our books come in on time next next week and are just late again this week. What a who time. knows? What a time. I, but uh, listen, I would rather live in interesting times. And even at the worst case, it's just Django and I swearing at each other and reading fucking comics. And that's pretty great too. And Roman um, who's there is, and is nice. Roman is nice. <laughs> Django and I swear at each other and Roman just comes in and everyone's mood gets lifted. Yeah. I have to stop fucking swearing when Roman gets in the room <laughs> because I'm in such a better mood. Yeah. It's like my infinity gem is the gem of kindness. Is that it? Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. It sounds like a comic I don't read. Yeah. Um, well, let listen, me give you a hug. As always, I am Jeff. Thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you next week. I'm Roman. I'm Django. And I was wondering, like, oh. if you guys could recast Peanuts <laughs> using superheroes, who would you cast for which Peanuts character? I'm pretty excited for that. Okay. Can you name the f- five main Peanuts? Um, before we go because I want to have an answer for this Charlie Brown Lucy um, Snoopy Woodstock Linus Pigpen uh, I, I'm a big fan of Pigpen I, I would Me have too. to go Pigpen over Linus I think he's a pretty like maybe a newer or lower tier character but can I, we I take would, out Woodstock and put Linus and Pigpen in so who the fuck is Snoopy going to hang out with Charlie Brown, Lucy, <laughs> Pig Pin, Snoopy, and Linus. Oh, and God. And Woodstock, top six. Gotta, oh, we got to make sure Snoopy's okay. got a friend. Okay. Got to make sure Snoopy's okay. got a friend. Two syllables each. This is like the prequel. Nope. nope. Now you're getting into that trademark shit again. You got sick of no, no, this. Is, rules. This, is like no. the, the, this is the prequel to uh, Jimmy TIV's two, two word characters. Oh, Dust Farter. <laughs> We'll see you all next week for 215. Hope you have an area code for us. Fish smeller. Ew. Um, what was the fish that farted? Uh, the herring. Herring gas.